All right. Welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM. And you can always find us online. We're at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin in studio, inviting you to join us in the huddle. Here's how you can do it. Our huddle hotline number is 573 334 1220-573-334-1220. The Huddle Hotline powered by EBOMD. Super Bowl creeping up. We're at Wednesday. Super Bowl Sunday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And the Niners still appear to be a two-point favorite, at least the line that I checked this morning. Jess Bolin in the house with uh, your red pullover on, ready to roll. Absolutely, and uh, happy birthday to you. Well, thank you very I, much. Um, I was going to sing it, but I don't think my voice would hold up. And I don't think anybody wants to hear it anyway, the singing. But I think you now just hit 40, didn't you? So the big four O is there. That's when life begins. It's funny. We got... Uh, <laughs> so uh, Saturday's basketball doubleheader. It came the night after the Hall of Fame dinner where Rick Weezer went in, a couple of baseball players, Ryan Spilly and Clemente Bonilla, and so some of the old SEMO baseball teammates of those guys were at the game, and you remember 2003, I believe, OVC Pitcher of the Year, Tim Alvarez was here. He owns a winery now in, in uh, Oregon. I told him my daughter, you know, was in Oregon, and he brought a couple of bottles of wine. He gave me one. He said, you know, uh, here's another one. If How come you, I didn't get one? I don't know. He, he said, <clears throat> uh, if you could get it to Coach Sawyer's, because I remember Coach Sawyer's telling me uh, that he had given him some wine in the past from his winery, but the first thing he did was come up to me, you know, we're getting ready, I don't know if it between games, maybe halftime of the men's game. Anyway, and he walked up behind me and he said, man, do red-haired people not go gray? <laughs> I turned around <laughs> to see him. He's got a little gray uh, in his hair. And I'm like, well, I got a little bit, but the, the red kind of cancels it out a little bit, at least for now. Um, my brother was red-headed and his got gray. So well, it'll get in gr- a few more years. It'll get gray yeah, at some it point. Yeah, it will. Yeah, believe me. Man, it, well... Some people don't get nearly as gray-headed as others, you know. So and you can't say you will. Probably you will. A couple of years ago, I was at the McDonald's drive through out by Walmart in Cape. And there was a gentleman and his wife, and they were, you know, elderly couple, gray hair. And the guy had his arm hanging out the window or up on the ledge of the window, window down in the summertime. And I could see that he had freckles and everything the same type skin that red hair most red-haired people like myself have and i just leaned out and i said hey let me ask you a question did you used to have red hair and his wife leaned out and she said just as red as yours is Mm -hmm. and i said you would mind me asking when did it completely go gray i'm just curious about it and he said well probably when i was about 60 so I, I know everybody's different, but maybe I could hold off a little while. 
We'll see. Oh, did you have freckles when you was a kid? Oh, man. I've got tons of freckles. Oh, okay. You don't now. But... Can't tan. <clears throat> you just freckle. They kind of go away uh, on your face over years. You still got them on your arms and everything. Still got the well, freckles. Well, any light-haired people like me and you with your red hair burn easy out in the sun and also i burn just walking by a window yeah i remember when i used to play ball all the time and a lot of times we'd play work up or indian ball or something like that and you would play just with a pair of like a swimming trunks on and that's it trying to get some tan you know well i would get burnt that'd be the way i'd get every year me too and then suffer over it but um the thing that and hurts the light me bothers blue-eyed, green-eyed people more than it does brown. The thing that kills me, I've got this skin condition, and it's a chronic skin condition. I've got to use prescription special shampoo, and I have to put this steroid cream on my face. I've been doing it for over 20 years. And so it's not good over the long term, sometimes the steroid creams, but if I don't, you know, it gets really red. It just, it sucks. It just it just really sucks. So I've got to do that, and then that makes you even more susceptible to the sun. Yeah. Having the steroid cream on there, and you face, you know, and if you don't put it on enough, red patches. It's just it's the worst. So anyway, uh, there you go. We got our medical to, out of the way now. Yeah, the medical <clears throat> topic. So we've got college baseball, Jess, one week from Friday. The Red Hawks will open the season, and so will all the other teams. Division One, I. I think uh, there's some junior colleges that are already playing. But Division One opening day for college baseball next Friday. And, Jess, they have had the pitch clock in college baseball for the last few years. But the pitch clock in the big conferences like SEC, they've had the actual physical pitch clock. Now, Kapaha Field has the pitch clock. The OVC not only will be going to a physical pitch clock, but also replay now in that conference. Replay has been around in some of the bigger conferences for a few years. So they have adjusted the pitch clock rule in college baseball for this season. The pitch clock will be 20 seconds, regardless of whether there are runners on base or not. There will not be warnings. A ball will be added to the count every time the clock expires before the pitcher begins his delivery. 20 seconds, base is empty. 20 seconds, runners on base. It's a universal 20-second pitch clock. If the hitter's ready. The hitter must be ready yes. with five seconds left in the college pitch clock. Otherwise, you're penalizing the pitcher, but not the hitter. So so the batter uh, they, must they, be ready with know, five seconds. That's a good thing. Uh, I went to Wichita 35 times in a national tournament. I don't think I had a single player. There's a pitch clock out there. I don't think I had a single player that after they played a game with a pitch clock, they didn't like it. Speeds up the game. You're more into it. There's more things. It seems like there's more things to do. You got 90 seconds in Wichita. Time of the last out's made to the first pitch is made next inning. Now, as we said before, or at least I did, you couldn't use that in the big leagues, the 90 seconds, because they got to get commercials in. 
you know, so there's going to be a two to three minute wait in the big leagues, and that's not going to change, no matter what they do with the clock otherwise. But I think it'll be good. You'll get some, uh, well, uh, most games will be under three hours. You'll get some games under two and a half hours. And then I don't know. Wrong any, with that. I don't know how anybody can complain about that, really. So, one other caveat with this 20 second pitch clock pitchers can step off the rubber one time per batter to reset the clock. Any subsequent step offs without a pickoff attempt will not stop the clock. And there is no limit to the amount of pickoff attempts a pitcher can throw over. So it's not limited like Major League Baseball, but only one step off stops the clock. You step off again, the clock keeps rolling, and you could be issued a ball if it is a violation. I don't mind that. I don't either. Um, get the game moving. I think it's going to be better for the fans. It's going to be better for everything. You know, the quicker game. And we know it works because the major leagues used it this year. And I think it cut off somewhere between 25 and 30 minutes a game average. And that is really a a strong pull for the younger people. You know how it is in younger people. And I was the same way. Get it and get it done. You know, get with it. Basketball does it. Football is a lot of standing around. You go to go to an NFL game, especially, and notice how much you're just sitting there watching the players stand on the field. Because at home, you're going to the bathroom, making something to eat or whatever. But when you're at the game, you're just sitting there watching them stand. And so football could actually clean up a little bit of theirs, I think. So... In Major League Baseball, the hitter has to be ready with eight seconds. Now in college, five seconds. And the clock pauses if the hitter is granted time with more than five seconds on the clock. And according to the rule book, time, offensive time by the hitter, should only be granted for, quote, legitimate reasons and not to delay the game. So I read into that that the umpire could think, okay, this guy's trying to delay the game. I'm not going to grant him time, but you've got to call time before five seconds. Or are you saying they won't grant him time under five seconds? No. Well, that'd be bad if something flew in your eye. You know? Strike. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, strike. And now we're getting tough. So it's got to, there's got to be six seconds on the clock in order for a batter to be granted time. You can call time. You can call time anytime doesn't mean you're going to be granted. And there are some umpires, even as a pitcher starts into his motion, that will grant time, which is an atrocity. should never do that. But you see it. And then there are some umpires, pitcher starts, oh, sorry, you call time all you want. I'm not, I'm not granting it. I don't have a problem with these rules. I like, I like this. I but do too. I don't think universally, as we get ready to embark on college baseball, people knew that this is the new norm in college baseball well, for this year. Well, we didn't year. know the uh, pitch clock was in effect the last couple of years. 
Because it's not on the scoreboard. It's not on the fence. The umpires, people can't see umpires it. have a stopwatch. <clears throat> That's the way they've been doing it. I know, and I don't like that. Why should I depend on you, umpire, to let me know I'm out of time? You're also going to depend on whoever is running the pitch clock from the press box. It, you know, the thing about it is that hitter and that pitcher see that clock and they can't get a pitch on its way. That's their fault. That's their fault. But if you don't see the clock, I don't I don't see how that's fair, really. I wouldn't, as an offense or defense, I wouldn't like that, that an umpire's got a stopwatch in his pocket. No, I don't buy that at all. So they're going to put the, have a visual clock for the fans. I don't know, I'm out on the outfield fence, I imagine. And probably one behind home plate somewhere so the pitcher doesn't have to turn around all the time to see it. And then if you don't, if the clock goes off, it's your fault. That's all there is to it. So Major League Baseball's pitch clock rule this upcoming season, 15 seconds between pitches with a runner on base, 20 seconds with no runners on base. So... We're going to be dealing with pitch clocks at the college level, physical pitch clocks. So I think that most people are going to make the adjustment and most people are going to like the way that the pace of the game potentially could go. So there's your college baseball news, major league baseball news. If you want to refer to the Houston Astros as a dynasty, you can considering all of the postseason success that they've had, World Series titles, cheating scandal aside, they didn't take away the World Series championship. And yesterday, the Houston Astros made news. It looks like Jose Altuve is going to be an Astro for the rest of his career. Five years, $125 million extension. And the deal will include $30 million each season for 25, 26, 27. The final year, it'll be $10 million. But five years, 125, Jose Altuve looks like he's going to be an Astro for life. I don't, I don't know if there's a no trade in there, an opt-out, but that's the, that's the reporting uh, from MLB. Yeah, I saw that on TV last night on MLB, and I don't think that's a bad move by Houston. He's a favorite. He's had a great career. And um, he's probably borderline Hall of Fame right now. But five, a couple, two or three more good years, I think it will be. And so I think it's a a sound transaction, I think, for both parties. I think Altuve is now set up for life. He's playing where he wants to be in Houston. And I think the fans can sit back now and say, well, he's our second baseman, or whatever, for the next five years. Uh, I think it's positive on both sides. Altuve has three batting titles. He's won an MVP. He's won two World Series, six Silver Sluggers, a Gold Glove, eight-time All-Star. And last year at age 33, Jesse hit 311, 17 homers, 51 RBIs, and remember, he had that broken wrist or broken hand. He got hit in the World Baseball Classic. So he only played in 90 games last year, but hit 311. 
and he went over the 2,000 hit plateau. He's got 2,047 hits, 13 years in the big leagues, at 33 years old. Well, he could conceivably get to 3,000 hits. Now, I know that's a, that's a tough ask because that'd be 200 hits a year. Uh, probably, probably can't. But if he's successful for three good years, just because he's got a five-year contract, not necessarily means he's going to end his career after five. So he's got an outside chance, I'd say, to get to 3,000. He has four 200-hit seasons in his career. From 2014 through 2017, he had over 200 hits each year. Yeah, but he's not going to do that for the next five years. I would... uh... I'd bet you're home on that. He's a career 307 hitter with a career on base of 364. His on base last year, 393. Oh, he's a tremendous player, no question. He's closing in on 300 stolen bases. He's got 293. Big rewards come in small packages. Listed at 5 feet 6. That's probably a stretch. 166 pounds. You know what I mean? It's probably a stretch. He's probably 5'4". I've seen pictures that, you know, they put it out on social media of him talking to Aaron Judge out at second base and standing next to each other. About halfway up his (laughs) body. Goes just past his waistline. So Altuve, five years, not the only signing yesterday, Jess. Three-time Cy Young winner and former MVP Clayton Kershaw will be back for his seventeenth season. One year as an LA Dodger. I think probably he's on, be ready around mid-season from his. Yeah, he's on contract like surgery. Adam Wainwright. When you get that age, it, you go year to year. But what a career he's had! I think he's fourth on all-time strikeouts by a left-hander. So that's. He's been a great pitcher, no question. And even though his fastball has lost some juice, his numbers still excellent. Last year, 24 starts, diminished fastball. We saw what a diminished fastball did for Adam Wainwright. Clayton Kershaw, Jess, a 246 ERA last year, went 13-5. and five. Well, that's eight over 500, and if every pitcher goes over 500, and I don't care how many, you're probably going to be in the playoffs. And so it's eight-plus on your standings, so that's the way I look at pitchers. First ballot Hall of Famer in your mind? Yes, thought process was you know he's from texas and so people thought it was going to come down to the dodgers or the texas rangers now in his prime jess's four seam fastball was 94 Last year, his fastball averaged 90.86 miles an hour. So there you see the the Mm -hmm. drop-off in velo. 
And late in the season, he was hitting 90 on occasion. He was under 90 a lot, but still the low earned run average. Well, because he knows how to pitch. And he still, I watched him pitch a game or two last year, and he's, his curveball is still sharp, still devastating. And the slider. Yeah, he's got. He's just got good pitch selections. You taking calls? Yes, need a call. Let's head to the EBOMD Huddle Hotline. Mike joins us in the huddle, powered by EBOMD. Good morning, Mike. Morning, gentlemen. I think a lot of Kershaw's that motion he has too, Jeff. I think it's hard to pick the ball up out of his hand with the delivery that he has off the mound. So I, I think that's part of it too. Myself, I may be. Out in left field there, but to me that that that's part of it. It's hard to pick him up. I'd say you make you make a good point. I mean, that's part of pitching is deception, and yes. he's one of the best. Yes, um, you were talking about college sports. Did you read Eric? <clears throat> where the National Labor Relations Boards has okayed Dartmouth? Ball players, college athletes, to form a union at their school to get paid. Yeah, that's. It's only going to be a story if it happens in a Power Five conference, not the Ivy League. But, but yes, once that starts and that snowball starts rolling downhill, there's no telling where it could go. That that's my <clears throat> point of all of this. If it does get started, what happens if it has a snowball effect? Well, as Eric said, it's in that uh, Ivy League, so it may never get out of that that league, that conference, or whatever. I I think that's down the road a ways, Mike, for that to get into the Power Five. But yeah. you know, it, it's something that's probably coming. I think athletes in college will eventually get paid. From the schools themselves and not just the NIL and, and what they're doing now. I, I do, too. Just how quick is it going to come? So Because this paves the way for it right here, even though it's an Ivy League school. So it, it, starts, it starts the process is what it does. <clears throat> We'll see how quick it, it, it develops. Well, but. you get into all other things when you start forming a pay scale for athletes. Yeah. Do you have two or three different scales? And and you said they're trying to form a union. Well, I can tell you now that union would probably negotiate the players. That's be the union. But they would probably negotiate the same pay for everybody that makes a Division One football team or a basketball right. team. They wouldn't have the star making twice as much as the guy on the bench, which may not be fair to the star, but that's the way they'll probably go about it. Yeah, I, I, I believe you're probably right, Jeff. And you've done a lot of negotiations with unions and stuff, haven't you? So you you, you know more about what you're talking about than I do. Well, so. I mean, it, most people, common sense, know that Unions now you go to baseball. They, you know they got collective bargaining. I don't call baseball an actual union though because unions do make the same wages the workers. And yeah. in baseball, you know that 
they collectively bargain for rights and rules and stuff like this, but then they also bargain individually. So that you don't yep. do that in the unions, you know, real unions. I, I just found it interesting. Thought I'd bring it up. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., you guys talked about him yesterday. I didn't get to hear the whole show. Doesn't that make him harder to trade in the future with a contract like that if he, he falls off in production? It's Cardi- Well, it- yeah, if he falls off in production, but if he doesn't, I don't think that, that pay will hinder them trading him, but why would you want to trade him if he's Unless doing what you paid him for? Listen, they're also trying to build a new stadium downtown. Yep. And <clears throat> this showcase of this young star getting him locked up, and I just ran through all of the moves that the Royals have made. They have upgraded a lot, and they've spent a bunch of money in this offseason, and they are likely going to get plenty of money to help them build that new stadium. Uh, and I heard uh, Clark Hunt owner of the Kansas City Chiefs interviewed yesterday, and they are going to get some public money to revamp Arrowhead Stadium. They don't want to move. They think they're going to be there at least for the next 25 years, but they're going to upgrade there. But he believes that the Royals are going to be able to build their stadium downtown. Wow. Well, I love where they're at out there off Interstate 70. It's easy to get to. Right. It, 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 it's you know, you don't have to go downtown and, and mess with downtown traffic. I love the stadium out there where they are. Have you ever been down to Astro Stadium in Houston? Yes, I have. No. They are they are right in the middle of Traffic Jam City down there, and I can only imagine what it's like to try to get to a ball game down there. When it's been, been a while since I was down there, for instance, uh, Fowler was playing outfield for the Astros when I was down there. So, you know, it's been a while. Yeah. But I just wanted to give you guys a call and say hello this morning and kind of just chew the fat with you a little bit. I'm headed to Sykeston to get some stuff for our church over there and wanted to say hello. And I heard Chuck on here, I don't know, a week or so ago, and it was good to hear his voice on there again. I I miss hearing him. I saw him at the, at the Hall of Fame banquet. Yeah. Last week, and uh, he seems to be really be doing well as far as his Good. health. Good. Glad to hear it. I always, I always like messing with Chuck and and Chuck messing with me. And just remember, I still got the number to the guys in the white jackets if I need to use. It. He's so. on. He's on hold as we speak, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I need to take about another twenty minutes. He, he called me Motormouth, so. Maybe I should take about another 20. <laughs> I'll be listening to him, and it's good to hear him. Chuck, you take care of yourself, buddy. Eric, Jess, we'll talk to you later. All right, Mike. All right. Appreciate Bye. the call on the EBOMD Huddle Hotline. It is 334-1220. Let's bring Chuck into the conversation. Welcome into the huddle, Chuck. You know, guys, I never liked that Mike guy. <laughs> trouble. He's trouble, Jess, isn't he? <laughs> I like him. Sorry. <laughs> well, and, and you, you you know I'm I needle people that I, I like, know. So. Yeah, I know hey, it's it a spoof. Good, it was good to see you at the Hall of Fame banquet, Jess, and I. I was. Uh, it was nice to meet. Is it Darren, your son-in-law? Yes, yes, Darren Moore. He's, he's a good kid. I really like meeting him. And yeah, he is. I, 
I didn't get a chance to say much to your daughter because you guys kind of, I mean, there were a lot of people you had to see, and I'm sure Rick among them. Yeah, and uh, he's the uh, only thing bad about Darren, he's a Cub fan. That's all right. I mean, Big uh, time. The guy next to the guy next to you is a Cub fan. I know. I don't like him either. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, it's his birthday, Chuck. Today's Eric's birthday. Hey, Eric, happy birthday. Thank you, Chuck. How old are you now? 40. Not as old as you. He's 40. That, that's true. That's true. Hey, I think Kershaw is definitely a first ballot Hall of Fame. Altuve, I love Altuve, but I think maybe that cheating scandal is going to prevent him from getting in on the first ballot. And I do think to be a first ballot, he needs just, Eric, probably three or more, three or four or more really good years to make the Hall of Fame, in my estimation. Well, I think he will do that. Unless he gets hurt, he's a really good player, and so I don't see anything in his future but success. Of course, anybody can go down with injury, you know that. Well, and I think I think of his generation of players, he's one of the greatest players of his generation, which I think that's going to determine a lot of a lot of guys who get in the to the Hall of Fame. How good were you of your generation? And to me, a second baseman of his generation, he's among the very best, if not the best. I mean, he can he can do everything. And, you know, I, I don't know that his game will do – I, I kind of look at him and I go, is his past going to be is, – is his future going to be as good as his past? And I'm just not sure that it will be. But that little man syndrome that he has, he's probably got a bit of a chip on his shoulder and nothing's ever come easy for him. He probably will have three or four more good years. So we'll see. Good player, man. And he's a clutch player. His career postseason numbers are off the charts. Yeah, he, 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 he rises to the moment, doesn't he, Eric? I mean if if the game's a bigger game, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna play well. He's he's a terrific player and uh one that I wish the Cardinals would have had for all those years. Look good in that Cardinal uniform. Don't look like it's going to happen now, though. Hey, you know, this, this, maybe this is the time to talk. What do you think the Cardinals are going to be like? I mean, I just, I don't, I think they could be anything from not good to pretty good, but I don't think they're going to be great. Jess, you first, and then Eric, you, you tell me. I think Cardinals will win the division in Central. And the reason yeah. why I say that is I do think, even though I wanted better signs i think they've improved their pitching enough their overall ball club's good uh chuck um and you know you got the corners it's very hard to get better than arnado and goldschmidt you got young players like gorman walker how much better are they going to be you know gorman really came on last year as a hitter and walker's upside is off the charts so if they stay healthy and get the pitching that I think they got. It's not great, but it's maybe good enough. And that division is not very strong. I guess, you know, if they do this, Chuck, if they win the division, they'll go from winning the division to last place to winning the division. I don't know if that's ever been done again. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, Jeff, I worry about their outfield still. I guess we haven't seen any production from our outfield in a long time. 
and and that's that's my concern. I think Walker's going to be a good offensive player. He's got to get better defensively. He was horrible last year in defense. Uh, I think Newbar will be a good player. I think Edmonds can play center, but I think Tommy's got to get on base more than he has in the past. That's been his downfall. I agree. Uh, he's got to be better offensively. I could see him batting right-handed against right-handed pitching quite a bit this coming year, especially if he's successful. He's a much, much better hitter right-handed, and he did that a little bit last year. I could see him doing a lot more this year. They're going to steal more bases this year. That really disappointed me last year with the rule change that the Cardinals didn't take advantage of that. They got some guys that can run, and they didn't do it. Well, I think Tommy Edmond was probably in the top three in the National League. Of course, Acuna went off the road with it. Uh, I agree with you. They got speed enough to with Walker. Uh, Newt Barr's not really fast, but he's a good base runner. And Mason Wynn, if he makes the team and he's your shortstop, he's got great stealing ability. Um, so I don't know. I, I think they should steal a lot more, but it comes down to the manager, Chuck, as you know. If he doesn't give the green light to somebody, they're not going to go. You know, one of the keys to the team, and, and, and I don't know why I still hold out hope for this guy. You guys may think I'm nuts, but I I think Stephen Matz, and he has, hasn't had good good season the first two years with us, but I just think he's due uh, if he can stay healthy. You know, if he can get you 12 or 13 or 14 wins, that would be huge. Well, he did the year before the Cardinals signed him. I think he won 14. And right. last year, the Cardinals had to come to Jesus, meet him with him, and told him they wanted him to go full throttle from the time the game started. And if you remember... He had about four or five starts before he got hurt that were really good. And so you saw that side of him. And I think if if he starts out the year like that with a real aggressive approach, he, I'm not going to say he's going to win 15 or 20 games, but he may win 10 or 12 and pitch well in a lot of others. Yeah. Well, we, we will see. It. I'm going down to a spring training game. I think in the beginning of March, so I haven't been down there in a long time, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, well I've never been there in spring training, but everybody that I've talked to, my sisters went down there and a whole bunch of people I know, and they were always satisfied with their trip. You know, I had a lot well, of fun. And I think if you had a youngster like TJ, who probably loves autographs, <clears throat> it's you, you can get autographs at will, Jess. It's, and I don't do that. I'm an old man now. That's, I leave it leave it for the young kids. But those players are so accessible. It's really neat for a youngster like TJ or one of your other grandsons. You're right. And uh, I would love to take those kids down there with me. And But, um, you know, you got school and stuff. It'd be hard to do. But. I've never asked for an autograph in my life. I don't have one single autograph of anyone. I mean, I've got some, but it's because they're on baseballs that, you know, my wife got autographed, that kind of thing. First autograph I asked for, uh, I was stationed in the Navy in Key West. My grandmother lived in Fort Myers. She had a condo there, and I would go up and see her on weekends on occasion and went to a spring training game for the Texas Rangers in 1991 
and got an autograph from a rookie named Yvonne Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, Nin- my. 91. But I, I, haven't, I haven't asked for a lot of autographs over the years, just a couple. And one of them, when I interviewed Harry Carey at Bush Stadium prior to his death, uh, I got him to sign a ball with a Cubs logo on it for me, and he signed it, and I've got that in a in a. Well, uh, if I had that, Eric, I'd treasure that, and I know you do treasure that. Absolutely. I actually, I actually got an autograph from Lou Brock. My uh, good friend's mother was a secretary for him when he made the Brock Umbrellas, the company he made the Brock Umbrellas, and we went and saw him one day, and he he had a business meeting going on. And basically stopped the business meeting when he saw me and and my buddy, two young men. Uh, we were probably in our eighth grade or ninth grade year, and he treated us like kings. It was really something. Really cool. Yeah. I got, you guys I, take care, I, and Eric. Happy, happy birthday to you. Happy 40th. Thank you much. Bye-bye. All right. That is Chuck. And speaking of Lou Brock, Dr. Alan Branson few years back gave me a black and white photo autographed by lou brock in a cubs uniform a black and white now still got that <clears throat> my kids have autographs from lou brock because lou brock was speaker down at sykeston for the southeast missouri hall of fame back when tommy was little so on those banquet covers you know the introduction that's written they got autographs on them so they got some i never did get one though i mean i don't i never did get into that no me neither i've been given some gifts over the years with autographs like someone got me a autographed baseball of andre dawson the hawk so I've got a few. Well, I got some autographed baseball. The only the only got ones one from Red Shandies. The only ones that I've ever asked for was in '91 when I was in the Navy, Yvonne Rodriguez, and then when I interviewed Harry, I asked him if he'd sign. And I could have gotten my media credential revoked. It says right there on your credential uh, that you're not supposed to ask for autographs. I didn't care. I was getting <laughs> Harry Carey's autograph, and I had a good little interview with him. It was cool. All right. You still taking calls? Yes. Uh, head back to the EBOMD huddle hotline. Ken is on the line this morning. Good morning, Ken. Hey guys. Hey, Brock Fabrolio, one of the Cubs' great all-time great moves. I yeah, heard. that was a that was a classic. Yeah, that was that was a windfall. Hey, I had to jump in. We had uh, Mount Rushmore guys on today with uh, Chuck and Mike, so I just had to had to kind of jump in their pants a little bit. Especially when I heard the happy birthday wish. A happy birthday, Eric. I had one about a week ago. Hey, all right, belated one to you as well. Hey, thanks. Hey, Jess, you going to sing a happy birthday for Eric before you guys go off the air? I'm sure he would love that. I don't think my voice would do it, uh, Ken, or otherwise I would. Yeah, we we, no, we we don't. None of us need that, Ken. <laughs> just for Eric, right? Hey, uh, real quick, I was just looking. Uh, you guys were talking female baseball on the Go Southeast website on the schedule. There are no listed games on ESPN Plus. Is that the case, or is that just not been updated yet, or what do you know? There will be many games on ESPN Plus, mostly home um, conference games and then a handful of non-conference home games. And I'm sure, you know, when we go on the road, uh, there are going to be some teams that will be on ESPN Plus. Just like uh, I don't know 
But I'm going to guess the Dallas Baptist games will be on ESPN+. Plus. So, yeah, uh, I'm sure they'll update that as they go along. Maybe uh, at least here in Cape, they're trying to figure out uh, exactly what games are going to broadcast. But I talked with Anthony Shear, and they will be doing uh, many uh, conference home games and some non-conference stuff. Well, good. I know that's always the case, but like I say, didn't see any on there. I thought, well, man, maybe they uh, maybe they pulled the plug for no, whatever reason. No. And that's a, that's that's a great outlet and a great vehicle. Who would have thought? Not too many years ago. I mean, you'd see the things on ESPN Plus, especially college baseball on ESPN yeah. Plus. No, it's great, uh, especially during baseball season. We're on the road. I always uh, take my Roku device with me so I can get ESPN Plus, and I pull up and I watch a lot of baseball games. Also. Um, they are still trying to decide, you know, in terms of they've only got one crew. And so, say, baseball and softball are playing at the same time. They they, they are going to do uh, several softball games as well. So on a weekend like that, uh, if they are doing softball, then they can't do baseball that weekend. But I, I'm sure we'll get a list of the games that will be on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, gotcha. Hey, I know you've been probably hadn't had a chance to delve into it. We talked a couple of weeks ago with the Juco uh, catcher, Simo's bringing in. I mean, he's got some crazy numbers. Pitching wise, I know Simo's got some familiar names back, arms, and you never obviously going to have too much pitching. But uh, any, have you looked into any of that or any of the, any of the pitchers they may have signed or brought in? Or again, you may not even have a chance. Yeah, to I haven't really that. talked to Coach Sawyer. He usually gives me a scouting report. Matthew Kinney, the pitching coach. Uh, you know, usually on our first trip, and it's always a bus trip somewhere south, as it will be to Dallas, uh, I'll sit on the bus and I'll go over each pitcher and get scouting reports on those guys. We're going to have Coach Sawyers on next week, by the way. Oh, good deal, good deal. Hey, we need to do one more thing. We, I, and I think you guys have talked about it before, may, may have even got together down at Lambert's or something, but just about, you know, some of the uh, some of the familiar callers that call in just to put names and faces and, you know, get together after, you know, somewhere at some point after a game or something just to kind of, you know, have a couple hours and uh, have, have a good time. I didn't know. We, maybe, we could, maybe we could work on that behind the scenes. Can you work that in your schedule, Jeff? I don't know. It's Cardinal who's buying. That's critical. I just that will you know, nudge him over the top on it. I have to eat free. Wow! Wow! <laughs> well, certainly the, Neva the, Neva can get you a discount at Lambert's, right? I don't know. <laughs> no such thing as a free meal, Ken. No, there's not. But no. We look into that. That'd be uh, that'd, that'd be fun to get together. That sounds like something that would be fun. All right, hey, you guys have a good happy birthday, Ken. Thank you much, Ken. See you guys. Appreciate it. That's Ken, and he was on the EBOMD. Huddle Hotline. Katie Wu covers the St. Louis Cardinals, and she put out via her Twitter feed, formerly Twitter, now X, uh, some polls about fans and what they think about the ownership group, what they think about John Moselak, what they think about Oliver Marmol, what their confidence level is for going into a season that will not feature 91 losses again. Run through a little bit of the Katie Woo poll and some of the voting numbers on that. I thought it was interesting. That's straight ahead. It's the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN. 
It's the Sports Channel, SEMO ESPN, 1220, 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. Jess, did you see the Grammys on Sunday night where Tracy Chapman, I don't know when the last time she was seen in public, came out and sang with Luke Combs, who took that song, Fast Car, to number one. How old is that song by Tracy Chapman, who is now 60? I was listening to that song when I was in high school. Yeah, it's a great song, and she's actually telling her life story in that song. And uh shows you how some people really had it tough. You know, they had to do things maybe they didn't want to do. Drop out of school, take care of her dad. Didn't have money to live in one place, get run out of one place, try to go to another. It tells a story. And I think really most songs do. You know what I mean? They... Especially country songs, they tell you a little bit, maybe not the whole story, but a little bit of their problems growing up or part of their life. And that, st- that song, I d- DVR'd that Grammy's show. I played that song two or three times. It's, and the way that the pair does that together was perfect. It was really perfect. And he just, he loves that song. And he sings it, you know. And he said when he was a kid, his dad and his Ford F-150 pickup truck yeah. would play that cassette tape of her album. And he loved it. And he said ever since he's been playing a guitar, he's played that song. And he, he would sing it at his concerts, but he never laid down a track. And he did and released it. And it skyrocketed to number one and brought her a little more notoriety a now more money too, maybe. for a, a song or, you know, for an artist that was now introduced to a whole new generation of people. And what was cool, they were singing, uh, some of the great stars, Taylor Swift was standing up, singing along. Jelly Roll was there standing up, singing along a bunch of the fans. Uh, I think people were truly excited to see Tracy Chapman again. I do, too. Uh, they really gave her a lot of respect. I think most people are that way about anything that pertains to them. For instance, people that played baseball a long time before me kind of paved the road and made it easier for all of us. So I admire people that played before me, like Jackie Robinson, Stan Musial, Ted Williams, those kind of people were my idols growing up. And I think Tracy Chapman's that way, and you honor her in that Grammy by standing up and singing along with her. That's about as good a compliment as you can give an artist. And I was glad to see a lot of those people out there in the audience do that. They knew the words of the song. They're familiar with it. All right, uh, Katie Wu of The Athletic, who follows the St. Louis Cardinals, put out some polls on her uh, Twitter account linked to The Athletic, which is a subscription website. I've had a subscription to The Athletic for years, uh, and I use it almost every day. It is a fabulous website with very talented writers. And just some of the polls that she put out, uh, we'll start with this one. How would you describe your level of disappointment in the 2023 season? Never been more disappointed. They were out of it early, so the disappointment faded early. Didn't enjoy it. 
But a losing season was bound to happen at some point, and I'm not disappointed, I'm angry. 40% Jess said, I've never been more disappointed by a Cardinals season. 40%, that was the highest vote. That's a lot of people. Um, well, I think anybody that pulls for a team is going to be disappointed when they don't do well. And the Cardinals really spun their wheels last year. And uh, First time they have finished last in 33 years, last time they were in last place. I think place. there's more disgust and disappointment when you you can see on the field more talent than what they're putting on the scoreboard. And I think that's part of it because the Cardinals had a really better than way better than average starting lineup. The pitching just wasn't up to what the rest of the team was. And I think people are bored hearing me say this, but it all begins and stops with pitching. No matter how you're gonna no matter how you think you're gonna be if your pitching is good, really good It'll help a mediocre team become better. If your team is good and you get great pitching, then you're going to have a great team. But it all starts and stops on the mound. Anybody wants to debate that? When I got my voice, I'd be glad to to debate it. Another one of our poll questions, what was the biggest problem for the Cardinals in 2023? And again, she gave four options and then other for all of these. A biggest problem for the Cardinals, overall roster construction, player performance, or lack thereof, the coaching staff, or pitching, pitching, pitching. No surprise, 47.9% just said pitching, 28.8% said overall roster construction. Well, I'd like to comment, but it's basically the same thing I just said. Cardinals had a team ERA of 481 last season, fourth highest in the National League, and their 1,215 total strikeouts were the second lowest in all of baseball. They did not have swing and miss. They just didn't. How do you currently feel about the state of the franchise? Very optimistic, fairly optimistic, neutral, fairly pessimistic, very pessimistic, and 38.3 said fairly pessimistic, followed by 28% from neutral. So she gave five options there. But pessimism abounds, according to Katie Whoopel. Well, I mean, just a reflection on your last year's record. You know, people, why would they be energetic and ready to go and comp, uh, uh, a lot of confidence when you look miserable the year before and the cars never made any major changes. So I can understand that poll. How would you rate the job Bill DeWitt Jr. has done in his tenure as owner? Excellent, above average, average, below average, or poor. And 46% said above average. 25% said average, only 14% said excellent. They've had a lot of success under Bill DeWitt. Yeah, I I think, uh, I don't think you can point to the ownership. I think they've spent money when it's dictated. I mean, the thing about it is, I think they were seriously in on the Soto 
signing, don't you? I mean, they were actually, and I, I remember back when they had some guys like Stanton probably would come to the Cardinals, but he didn't want to play with the Cardinals. And so where money was to be spent, I think the DeWitts have stepped up good enough. And I think the Cardinal Hall of Fame has really improved with DeWitt. And I don't know, even know he may have been the one who started that. But it's been a, a big thing, I think, that he's really, he knows the tradition of the Cardinals. And he loves it. So I don't see, I wouldn't vote for, on a poll like that, any other than good, really good or whatever. Not excellent, but good. How would you rate the job John Moselock has done in his tenure as president of baseball operations? Uh, same choices. 40.9% said above average. 28% said average. 14% below average. 8% poor. So the biggest vote is above average for Moselock. I'd, I'd say he's a little above average, too. Um there's been some things I really criticized him about, but overall, you know, he brought in Arnado. You know, he's he's tried to do the thing. Didn't he bring in Matt Holiday? Yes. So he's brought in some big names when he had an opportunity, and um, I, so I would give him a, probably a C plus if I was grading him. So forty six percent said they rate. The job Bill DeWitt Jr. has done in his tenure, 46% above average. The next question is, how confident are you in ownership? Very, somewhat, unsure, not very confident, not confident at all. And the highest number, 34% said, not very confident in ownership. So I think think they rated him high for his entire tenure, but how confident now are you in ownership? And the highest vote, not very confident. And when asked about Mosellock, 32% said not very confident. It might be a bad year or bad time to do a poll with those questions. When a team, uh, you know, I wonder if you would ask that question after 2011 season. You know, so it's our 13 you know, or even the last year, year before, when they won the division. So, I don't take, I don't put much stock in any poll, for instance. But it's according on who you ask and what time of the year. And this is the last one we'll do. How would you rate the job Ali Marmal has done in his tenure as manager? Four percent said above average. Thirty-three percent said average. below average, 23% poor. Not a vote of confidence for the Cardinal skipper. Well, I wouldn't say poor, but I would say below average. So I'd give him a C- minus somewhere in there. And we can look at uh, maybe another couple of questions on her poll tomorrow. Uh, Keith Law from The Athletic released his top 100 Major League Baseball prospects, including the Cardinals. And 
it's this is all all teams involved, the top prospects in all of Major League Baseball. We'll take a look at that tomorrow and see how many uh, how many landed uh, for the Cardinals and in the top 100. You talk about this poll last night on MLB, Ron Darling, and back uh, two of the three was standing there, picked the Cardinals to win the division last night's show. So I'm not the only one that sees the overall talent on this team. I'd like to see him go to six pitchers in the rotation. The reason why I say that is because the age of these pitchers, like your Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, Michaelis, if you if you start out with a Sonny Gray, Michaelis, Gibson, Lynn, and Mats in that order, and then use a six starter and float that between Libertor and Thompson, whichever one you think develops is the best, I think Card still thinks the Libertor starter, Thompson reliever. But I think even if they piggybacked in a game number six starter, it would really help the duration of the season for some of these guys in their mid-30s or a little older. Blues get back on the ice Saturday. They start post-All-Star break with three straight road games. And just yesterday, sources reported that the Winter Classic in 2025 next year will be at Wrigley Field between the Blackhawks and the Blues. Oh, gosh. That'll be a highly watched game, no doubt. They're not quite the rivalry, probably, of the Cardinals and Cubs, but there's still that Chicago-St. Louis stuff. And uh, and the budding superstar, Connor Bedard. Yeah. People want to see him. Yeah. And the Blues just recently won a cup. All right, Jess, hello to the lovely and talented Dawn Sean. She's got a day off today, uh, so she will be relaxing. I'll stop and get some lunch on my way home for the both of us. And, of course, today is... Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. That means Wednesday wisdom and new material. <clears throat> well, I had my girls, too, and um, they're ringing here wishing you happy birthday. And um, my boys, Tom, texted the show, and he, he took his family down to the spring training, and he was raving about it. You'll see it on your phone. And my little sister, Geneva, will say hi to her. How about this, Wednesday Wisdom? The ancient Egyptians trained baboons to wait on tables. For one thing, back in the ancient Egyptian, did they have tables to eat on? And I don't know if I'd want to order, put an order in with a baboon, do you? But tricky. And here's a good one. August is the month when most babies are born. Okay? Roll that back. They're born, most of them, in August. What month are you getting pregnant? November, December. So um, that shows you cold weather brings two together. (laughs) My oldest daughter, Chloe, August 14th. Yeah. Yeah. 
She just sent me a happy birthday text, by the way. Well, yes, she should. All right, Jess, uh, we will roll it back tomorrow if that works in your schedule. Absolutely. All right. Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up. Hope you have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.